Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Tonight we'll be looking at Psalm chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. So again, that's Psalm chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Tonight's psalm is one of the 73 psalms that's written by King David. As we'll see, this is a psalm of prayer from King David to God. So as we stated earlier this month, the psalms were used in worship both individually and collectively. So it could be it could have been used in the individual worship as well as collective worship. So as we go through tonight's verses, we'll see that this psalm, this psalm of prayer was more than likely used during David's personal time, during his personal or devotional time, his time of worship. If we think about the early life of David, we can see in comparison to this psalm that this psalm was birthed out of David's own life's experiences. So just a little short uh, synopsis of the history of David. In 1 Samuel 10, Saul was anointed king of Israel. However, in 1 Samuel 15, Saul's disobedience to God caused him to lose his kingship although he still remained on the throne. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel, he anoints David to be the next king, although David was just a boy and remained a shepherd in his father's home. But on his father's orders in 1 Samuel 17, David goes to take his brothers some food and to check on their well-being. His brothers were among those in Israel, Israel's army that was led by Saul at that time. But while David was there taking his brothers the food and checking on them, something happened. Now David, he hears Goliath, who was a giant Philistine, taunting the Israelite army. I mean, uh, Goliath, he was huge. He was a scary dude. He was so scary that the Israelites ran in fear each time they saw him coming. So he had to be scary. Now, remember, David, he was just a young shepherd boy at this time, but he didn't like how Goliath was talking. He didn't like how Goliath was talking about Israel. So he began to inquire about the incentive the killer of Goliath would receive. So after reports of this came to Saul that David was making these inquiries, Saul, remember, he was still on the throne, although he had lost his kingship. So Saul, he had became aware of David's inquiries. So Saul, he summons David. He wanted David to come to him. So after convincing Saul to let him go fight Goliath, David defeated and killed Goliath. He killed him with a slingshot and one stone. 
So because of this, Saul kept David with him. So everything's good, right? So at this point, Saul's son, Jonathan, he made an oath with David, which showed loyalty. And the Bible says that he loved David as he loved himself. So after this, David was successful in everything that Saul gave him to do. So after his defeat of Goliath, he was successful in everything that Saul gave him to do. Because remember, after his defeat, Saul kept him around. Saul was so pleased that he placed David as commander of the fighting men. But the celebration and adoration of David by Saul soon declined when David was attributed to killing tens of thousands while Saul only 1,000. So it was then that Saul began resenting David. And the Bible says that he began to watch him jealously. So it wasn't the fact that David defeated the giant. It wasn't the fact that he was successful in everything that Saul gave him to do. It was only when people began to attribute more success to David than they did Saul that the Bible says that he began to watch him jealously. So following this, Saul's jealousy of David, it then moved to fear. He began to fear David because he knew that the Lord had left him and was now with David. But although Saul dreaded David, Israel and Judah, they loved him. They loved David, but Saul, he was jealous of David. Saul dreaded David. So Saul then, he began to attempt to trap David in these different situations. In one particular situation, he wanted the Philistines to defeat David. So he gave David his daughter in marriage with the hopes that his daughter would trap him up with the Philistine army. And just to back it up a little bit, he he at first promised David his older daughter in marriage. But when it came time for them to marry, he then gave her away to someone else in marriage. So then once Saul found out that his youngest daughter loved David, he then gave her to David to marry, his daughter Michal. But to his surprise... Although he was doing this to set David up, Saul not only realized that the Lord was with David, but that his daughter loved him. So as a result, Saul became more afraid of David, and the Bible says Saul became David's enemy. So following this, Saul, he ordered Jonathan and all his servants to kill David. However, Jonathan protected him because remember he made an oath with David and he loved David as he loved himself. So Jonathan, he was looking out for David while Saul and his attendants or servants were looking to kill David. But that didn't hinder Saul from continuing to hunt and attempt to kill David until Saul eventually took his own life. So as we can see, Just from hearing the backdrop of 1 Samuel beginning around verse 14 or 15, um, just as we can see from looking at that, David, he had a legitimate issue. He was in danger and more than likely in fear for his life. The crazy thing about it is he was in danger and he was in fear for his life, but there was nothing that he did wrong. 
The Bible says that Saul's issues only came about when others began to praise David. But that was something that David could not control. He could not control the fact that people were praising him. So eventually Saul's jealousy moved to anger, resentment. Then it says he became an enemy. He became an enemy to someone whose only charge was God was with him. So we can also see from the backdrop that Jonathan, he was a resource. He was a resource in which God provided to David for assistance, yet he was not the source. He was a temporary relief. He was someone that God used to assist David. And so David, he utilized the resource, but he still kept in contact with the source because he needed a permanent relief. Although Jonathan was able to help David, he was limited, but God was unlimited. And so David didn't have total reliance on Jonathan. His total reliance was on God, although he utilized the assistance in which David, uh, I'm sorry, in which Jonathan provided for him. Amen. So from tonight's verses, we can see that David's circumstances, it causes him to approach God. Not only did he approach God, but he approached God with confidence. He approached God with confidence of who God is and what God can do. He realized that he was in a situation that needed a supernatural touch. David recognized himself and the limitations that he had. So he not only recognized the limitations that Jonathan had, but he recognized the limitations that he had. And although God was with him and God had called him and God had chosen him, he was not God. Therefore, he called on God to move in his situation. So his reliance, his reliance was on the source for vindication and protection, not on himself or on others. He didn't take matters into his own hands. He didn't try to fix something. Even though he was being wrong, he still relied on God to fix the situation. Amen. So let's look at Psalm 17. It says, hear me, Lord, my plea is just. Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. Though people tried to bribe me, I have kept myself from the ways of the violent through what your lips have commanded. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. You who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. So again, as we can see from tonight's psalm, David's prayer to God, it begins with an urgent, emotional, and confident petition. You see, he went to God with his heart. He was in an emotional state, but he did not allow his emotions to take over. 
times. At times when we find ourselves in situations, our emotions begin to ring high and then we begin to respond based off of emotions. But David's circumstance resulted in a great emotion and he wanted to he wanted God to hear his cry. He didn't want to take matters into his own hands. He wanted to give the situation to God. And so we have to realize that although we may be in an emotional state and although we may be in urgent situations, we have to make sure that our emotions and our urgency leads us to the one that can really truly change things. And so he was confident in his position, in his petition. He approaches God with urgency to hear him because he knows that his request is valid. David knows that what he is saying to God is valid. David understands that he is being treated unjust, yet his confidence is in the one that has the ability to change things. At times when we are being treated unjust, we try to come up with so many different solutions to fix the problem when our first directive should be to God. Because he has all the answers and he'll be able to lead us and guide us in the direction that we, can, that we should go. But not only that, not only did David recognize that God would understand and see that he had been treated unjust, David was confident that he had done no wrong. So he was able to approach God with a clean heart. And so approaching God with urgency for the situation and any emotional state, sometimes we have to make sure that our heart is clean when we're going to God, because there are things that can hinder God from hearing our prayers. But David, he was confident that he had done no wrong and there was nothing that was that would hinder God from hearing his prayer because he recognized that he was approaching God with a clean heart. Not that David was perfect, but in this current situation, David had done no wrong. And so not only did he approach God with urgency and is in his emotional state, but he also approached God with expectation. He approached God with an expectation that God would handle the situation. Not only that he could handle it, but that he would handle it. And so when we are approaching God, when we are in different situations, we have to approach him and expect that he's going to move. That means when we approach him and invite him into the situation, we have to move out of the way until he gives us a directive. We can't go to God with our situation and then as soon as we go to him, still keep our hand on it, trying to control what goes where. But we have to get to the, in the position to where we are allowing God to move in situations when we go to him for that. And so David, he was confident that God was going to move in the situation. And so rather than him continuing to try to control it, he, he stepped back and continued to cry out to God. He cried out to God for God to take the situation into his own hand because this was something that he could not handle. There was there was certain situations and certain battles in which David was able to handle, but this one was something God couldn't or David couldn't handle. And so he needed God's strength. He needed God to continue to lead him. He needed God to lead him down the path in which he should go. He wanted God's protection. He couldn't protect himself. He needed God to protect him. And so he went to God with expectation. He went to God with confidence that God could and God would handle the situation in which he was in.
He says, hear me, Lord. My plea is just. Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. And so when we get to the point to where we know we need God, not saying that we don't need him every day, but there are times when we feel like we need him more. We have to remember that we can't let our emotions lead us. But we have to allow our emotions to lead us to God and not to try to take matters into our own hands. Additionally, I like the fact that it it has David communicating with God about the situation. It has him communicating with the one. Although Jonathan assisted him before, it could have said this was a prayer to from David to Jonathan. Because Jonathan had assisted him before in other situations, so maybe he needs to call on Jonathan. But David knew he needed to call on the Lord. There was nobody like God. And so David, he called on the Lord. He called on the Lord to hear his cry. He called on the Lord to hear him, to hear his prayer. He knew who was in control, and he knew who could change things. And that is who he relied on. Amen? So then David, it then moves down to David, he, he desired to be cleared of any wrongdoing by the one that sees all, right? Because, it's, because we know that God sees all, God knows that David was clear of any wrongdoing. God had examined and tested David. Remember earlier, I said that he was confident that he did nothing wrong. So he was approaching God with a clean heart. God had examined and tested David. David's acknowledgement of God, seeing what was right, ensured that he was petitioning God for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. When we go to God asking God to search us, and when we go to God asking God to look at the situation, we are not going to get a fluff. We are not going to get a half truth. We are going to get the truth. So the fact that David went to God and David says, you, you know what it is. You've searched me. You know me. David wanted the truth. He wanted to get down to the root of it. I think this is important because when we allow God to look at us, we may get different results than what we would get if we look at ourselves or if we have someone else look at us. So we can tell that David, he wanted a thorough and accurate assessment of the situation to ensure that there was nothing that he did to find himself in that situation. And so David, he was confident of his vindication because he knew he had walked in the ways of God. He knew he had walked in ways that was pleasing unto the word of God. He knew that the word of God is what was leading him. And so he was confident. His confidence was in that, was in his obedience to the word of God. His confidence wasn't in his own strength. His confidence wasn't in his training. His confidence wasn't in his education, but his confidence was in obedience to the word of God. And so he knew that the Lord would not find anything when he searched him because he had tried and he had successfully fulfilled walking in the obedience of the word of God. Amen. So he then moves on to acknowledging that at night when he's resting, when he's in a surrendered position, when there's nothing going on, he's, he was, a search was completed. He acknowledged that God's search of his heart was what he wanted and that the ending 
what the ending had and would display would be negative results for any evil done, any evil planned, or any evil spoken by him. Again, he had a clean slate. And so when we are in a surrendered position, when we surrender ourselves to the Lord and allow him to completely do a thorough search, we will come out with true results. In David's case, he had a clean slate. And so we'll have that clean slate when we are attempting to walk in the ways of the Lord, when we are obedient to the Lord and allowing him to lead us and guide us in all that we do. David, he acknowledges that he remained faithful to God's word in spite of attempts of him being led astray. He also recognized that this was not something that he was able to do on his own. David, he had found himself in troublesome situations, yet he still relied on the word of God to keep him on the right path. And I think that's important because at times when we find ourselves in situations, we tend to try to take matters into our own hands. And we find ourselves dug in a deeper hole than what we originally started because we try to take matters into our own hands rather than placing them in the hands of God. But David says that he has continued to walk in the path that God had for him. And not only did he continue to walk in that path, but he did not stumble. He didn't attempt to take the matters in his hands, but he placed the matters in the hands of God, the one that could take control, the one that had the power, the one that had the strength, the one that can lead and guide. David placed matters in God's hand. And so David, he also, he had an expectation. He had an expectation that when he placed the matters into God's hands, that God was going to answer him. He longed for God to reveal himself to him. David knew that God's vindication, his salvation and protection was coming to those who who come to him for protection, those who are under his wings. And so that is a benefit that David knows comes with being one of God's own. But David also knows that it's not because of David, but it was because of God's love for his people that he protects them. He protects them from their enemies. He protects them. He protects his people from their enemies by way of the enemy. Because if we think about it, the people, places, and things that are an enemy to us, it's a source behind it. There's one enemy that utilizes different things to come at us. And so when we recognize that there's that one enemy, we'll know that we've already, we're more than conquerors. Jesus has already completed what needed to be completed to defeat the enemy. And so we have to tap into and utilize the benefits that we have because we are children of God. And so David, he was longing for that day. He was longing for the day for, of God to reveal himself and to take control of that situation. He was longing for it because he knew that God could handle anything. He knew that God was in control and that God could handle anything. And so in closing, we must all recognize that we all have an enemy. 
Regardless of what person, place, or thing the enemy attempts to work through, we all have one common enemy. But we also must recognize that the God that we all serve, the God that will never leave us nor forsake us, is in control, has more power, has then already defeated the enemy through his son, Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave. And as stated in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. And so we have the victory, but we have to stay focused on God. We all have an enemy, so we are all going to go through things. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we can have life and have life more abundantly. But we can't have that abundant life until we are grounded in the word of God, until we are living, linked, and aligned with the Lord. Amen? Remember, we have the victory. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry.